Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad Jesus, that you took time to, to listen. We pray that pray the message of grace of empowers Lord. you today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that in the next three weeks, your people will experience supernatural supply, supernatural nourishment, God, that will feed them, that will make them strong in the Lord. They're going to make them really conscious of your presence in every aspect, in every decision. Let them enjoy the power of your spirit as they pray and fast together for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Bless you, are may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Any other announcement? I think it's clear, right? Amen. So any other details, just go to our website and you're going to find all that you need. Praise Jesus. Media booth. Ready? All right, guys. Today we start a new series, obvious, connected to our fasting prayer. We're calling Conquer 21. It's 21 because it's 21 days. It's 21 because the year is 2021. It's 21 because it just rhymes with the campaign. It's just cool to say. And we have a motto. We have a slogan in our church. Our mission is to conquer all generations of Southwest Florida by making overcoming disciples. Overcoming disciples. Repeat it, repeat it with me. Say overcoming disciples. By making overcoming disciples through life groups that multiply. We want to build up a church of overcomers. Now, I want to be an overcomer. I want to be this kind of victorious Christian pastor. But what in the world is a overcomer? Romans chapter 8 verse 37, 37 says, no, one, no, in all these things, we are more than Conquer. Say, I am more than conquer. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we pray for revelation. Let the eyes of our hearts be ready to see the glory of the gospel. And as we walk in this journey, this amazing adventure with Christ, we want to be this church, the church of the last days, called to be more than conquer in Jesus name amen and amen so the bible tells us that our position because he so loved us is more than conquer we know that our position not always matches our state you may have woke up this morning excited some a little depressed others are full of anxiety because tomorrow you start your fasting and others are just like what in the world I did just did I just stood up in front of everybody so you know like our state not always matches our position God calls us to relate to him not based on our momentary transient states of emotions because it's just like a roller coaster God calls us to relate to Him, support and sustain based on His unchanging love. That is what makes us more than conquerors. Are you guys with me? We are more than conquerors because He loved us. And nothing can separate us from this love. Nothing. The more I grow on the consciousness of this love for me, more I enter, more the position matches my estate. Now, if this is true, how can I help in the process, cooperate in the process 
to, to make my state matching my position of Morgan Conquer. There are plenty of passages I could use, but the best, and I think that the one that is the most clear on the sense of conquer, is the letters, are the letters of Jesus. Yes, maybe you don't know that. Uh, we have letters in the New Testament written by Paul, by Peter, by Jude, by James. But we don't find one book or one epistle with the letters of Jesus. Unless you get to Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And there you're going to find the letters of Jesus. Transcribed by his apostle John. And in those letters, specifically seven letters, we're going to find that indication of how to be a conqueror, a more than conqueror, an overcomer. Let's go there with me. Revelation chapter 2. Jesus is writing to the church of Ephesus. It is a very active, alive, vibrant church. They have works. They do the right thing. They believe in the right doctrine. However, they lost their passion, the essence, the first love. And in the very end of the letter, Jesus says, He, verse 7, who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers. Everybody says, to the one who conquers. Wake up this sleepy person around you. Say, to the one who conquers. I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So this church, even though it was an alive, vibrant, active, uh, laboring church, they had lost the sins of God's love for them. They lost the first love. And I know we were used to read this passage thinking that it's about our love for Him, which is okay to see that. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says that He first loved us. And that's why we are able to love. So essentially what we cannot lose is the perception of how much we are loved. Remember, the love of Jesus for us is the basis where we stand as more than conquerors. So the more conscious I am of how much I am loved... I will enter in that reality in my state. Now, because a lot of people just keep the religious cycle, you know, just spinning the wheel of doing things for God, doesn't mean they necessarily are fulfilling God's will. They were a very active church. The members were making disciples, but they lost first love. The work of God is meant to be made in the rest of God. As we are enjoying the paradise. That's what the promise says here. It says that we're going to eat of the tree of life. Which is in the Eden. In the garden of delight. So it's not by chance that man was creating the sixth day. Because the next day was a holiday. Was the seventh day. Yeah, God worked six day. On the very end of the sixth day man was created. And when man woke up. Ask God, okay, God, what are you going to do tomorrow? God says, nothing. It's holiday. It's the Sabbath. It's the seventh day. Because I didn't create you, Adam. I didn't create you, man and woman of God here, to work for God, but to delight His presence. I created you to, yes, you're going to do things. You're going to work, but in the rest of God. That's why the admonition in the New Testament for us to make effort is only one place. Hebrews chapter 4. Whoever has entered 
God's rest, has also rested from his work as God did from his. 11, let us therefore strive. Let us therefore conquer. Everybody says, let us therefore conquer. Conquer to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So don't think that rest means lack of doing stuff. Actually, there's a lot of people that are unemployed right now and they're doing nothing, but they are restless. They cannot rest. They are anxious and worried. But I am doing a lot of things. But believe me, as soon as this service ends, I am so excited. I'm so energetic that I have to do something in my house. Sometimes I walk three miles. Sometimes I wash the cars. Because when I work to the Lord, out of the rest and the certainty of His love for me, not in my performance, but because He loved me, because He loved me, without explanation, I just feel rested and energetic and, and prompt to do even more. Number two, we conquer through our faithfulness. Now, faithfulness, steadfastness, patience, patience, long-suffering are attributes of the overcomer. The next letter is Jesus writing to the Smyrna church. And this church is a suffering church. But after all the suffering, they needed to be reminded that keep going on. Don't give up. What you started, finish. That's why in the end of the letter, chapter 2, verse 10, Jesus says, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. We're talking about people that finish what they start. They are those that faithfully, loyal with loyalty, go to the very end. They are not quitters. They are not those that settle in the plateau of the good, of the enough. They want the more of God. They want to keep growing. They are conquerors. They are those that enter the race. They are those that got into the fight. And fought to the end. Second Timothy chapter 4. I have fought the good fight. I have. Come on everybody says. I have. Finished the race. Finished the race. I have kept the faith. Verse 8. It matches exactly the promises in Revelation. Right? Because there is a crown waiting for those that finish the race. Paul says. Henceforth. Verse 8. There laid for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will recompense, will reward me on that day. And not only me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Close your eyes. Say, Jesus, I love your appearing. I want your return. Say, Maranatha. Hallelujah, Jesus. Open your eyes. So we want Jesus coming back, but this doesn't mean that I'm going to give up in the middle of the way. I want Jesus coming back, but I'm not a quitter. I'm not the one that's stopping the process. I will run the race. I'll finish the race. I'll fight the good fight. Number three, conquer through his election. And I know I'm stepping in a controversial soil now, 
But I need to tell you what the Bible says. You are chosen. You are loved because he loved you. I can explain. And I thank God that he chose me before the foundation of the world. Like Spurgeon used to say. Because maybe after he created me, he would regret. But thank God he chose me. And in his sovereign grace and endless mercy, here I am. With my broken English preaching to you guys. I know that in his choice and election, I don't take it for granted. I don't take it as I have any right on that. Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I'll give him, I'll, I'll give some of the hidden manna. And I'll give him a white stone. Say white stone. A white stone with the name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. All right. So what in the world is this white stone? Scholars say that the ancient Greeks used to have election on these white stones. The person you choose to be elected, you're going to write their names hidden in that white stone, which points to our election. I don't know why I was chosen, but I know I was. And I don't take it for granted. I invest my time before the Lord. The promise is that if I eat from the hidden manna, a manna that was inside of the Ark of Covenant, a manna that was imperishable, there was that manna as a sample of the provision of God. If I trust God's endless provision in my life, and I know that He provides, He blesses me, He opens doors, He creates favorable connections, not because I deserve. That's exactly, exactly what it means, grace. Because I don't deserve, I don't have any merit in the process, I only receive by His grace and favor, I enjoy a life of an overcomer. Second Peter 1.10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. What do you mean? Like, if I'm elected, it seems that there is no choice. But in the same time, the paradox of the Bible is that even though I am elected, I may fall. Fall from what? From the standards, from the quality of life, from the uh, expectations and the, how can I say, the... the the inheritance and the benefits that I was meant to enjoy as an elect son. Now, I can be short of what God had destined me to have because I'm not developing. I'm not standing and walking with the nobility I'm meant to. And I'm not considering my election something that was blessings. What qualities are that? If you read 2 Peter chapter 1, you're going to find the qualities. It's faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. In other words, you live the Christian life. You are an active Christian. You enjoy coming to church. And I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about these people. 
You enjoy to be around these people so you can practice all those qualities and stand firm in your election. Number four, we conquer with the morning star. Let's read this text in Revelation chapter 2, 26. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. And when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as myself have received authority from my father. Say, I received, I received. Authority. authority. We're going to talk about that. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hallelujah. Again, faithfulness is referred in the text. He says to the one who keeps my works until the end. But the recompense is the morning star. Now, this is a good example to um, introduce you to the book of Revelation. I know a lot of people think that Revelation is a very complicated mystical book because there's a lot of symbols over there. But this is a very good example. Uh, about 70% of the symbols and images you read in Revelation is explained by the book itself. Which means that you may have a little problem to understand the book initially. Maybe because you don't have all the biblical background knowledge to get all the symbols used there. But you will understand 70%. Let me prove that to you. If you read the end of Revelation, you're going to find what, or better saying, who is the morning star. Revelation 22, verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. I am what? The bright morning star. Oh, I got it. So it means that more than social media and marketing strategy, more than influence and relevance in the online world, to have authority, to leave a legacy, to make a landmark in history, I need authority. And authority comes from the author. It comes from the bright morning star. If I have the morning star, if I have Jesus, I don't care if people don't find me online. I care if my words are going to be passed on. If I'm just resounding and just like uh, channeling the same words of the apostles in the very master Jesus, that's enough for me. I want authority. My leadership and influence is not a, about the right words and performance. It's about authority. It comes from the morning star. Number five, we conquer confessing. Revelation 3, 5. Now Jesus is writing to the church of Sardis. And to this church, he says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. And I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Years ago, I was um, just translating a material for one of our pastors, one of our founder pastors in Vine Movement. 
And I had uh, the honor to be part of one of their uh, meetings of all supervisors, only pastors of pastors. And in that meeting, um, the pastor, the founder, the senior pastor, Pastor Luizio, uh, referred to my name. And he called me by my name. I looked like a frog. I almost exploded myself because I was such honored by that circumstance just because my name was referred. You know, I don't know if you ever had this experience when you have your name referred by a person of honor. But I want to have my name mentioned by Jesus in that day. One of the great challenges of our days is to acknowledge Jesus publicly. The context of Revelation it speaks about a kind of church that were being blended with the world. The expression that the Bible uses in chapter 3 verse 4 is that their clothes were soiled. Their garments were in the same color, in the same uh, stain of the world. Their uh, appearance were the same as everybody else. Because in the end of the day, everybody's doing that. Everybody's watching that. Everybody's saying that. Yes, but I'm not everybody. I'm not like everybody in the world. My garments are not soiled. My life is not rooted on this earth. I dress white garments. I am different. And I have no shame to proclaim, to announce, to confess publicly that Jesus is my God, that I am a Christian. I know there's a lot of brothers and sisters that mess up with this name or an adjective, but I don't care. I still am a Christian. And I want to confess unashamedly everywhere I go to my family, to my co-workers, to my friends. I am a Christian. I was 16, 14. And I listened to this message, and for the first time, the eyes of my heart were open. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Praise Jesus. But there is an admonition. Next verse, 33. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. I want my name confessed before the Father on that day. An overcomer conquers confessing. And he's ashamed, he has no shame to proclaim his identity. Number six, we conquer becoming a pillar. I know each one of these letters deserves a preaching in itself. But this is what Jesus writes to the church of Philadelphia. Verse 11, I'm coming soon. Say, praise Jesus. Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. Maranatha, Jesus. You are coming back. Hold fast. Again, faithfulness. What do you have? So that no one may seize your crown. That one who conquers. The one who conquers. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. More important 
than starting is to finish well. Esau lost his birthright for a meal. Samson lost his vision for a date. Saul lost his crown because of his pride. Even the wisest man play fool, thinking that was his right. God works with living stones. Those that don't take grace for granted. His goal is to turn us living stones, pillars in the edification. Walls are important. Ceilings protect us. But without pillars, there is no edification. God is raising these days pillars in His house. People that are going to stand firm. And God is going to lay on them His kingdom. 1 Peter 2, 4. As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Number seven, let me invite you to stand up as we close this service. Number seven. The church of Laodicea. A church that became lukewarm. A church that lost focus. Out of love, Jesus rebuked them and says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. We conquer eating with Jesus. I know I'm inviting you to fast and pray with us. But there is a better food. A food at the table of the Lord. That even in the midst of our battles, wars, He make us sit in His presence. And place our enemies under our foot. Verse 6 of Psalm 23. Psalm 23 verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This only happens because you sit at the table. And on the table of the Lord, you feed on Him. You receive from Him. Your supply is Jesus Himself. It's not encouragement from a great speaker. It's not just excitement and goosebumps from a touching song. It's Jesus Himself. And it's all that we want.